0: chicken or not, somebody wants to help barbecue, you just mark that on your connection card and you can help us make the decision, but uh, it would be after church. And, um, and so, uh, but we're going to celebrate 4th of July here. What is more American than apple pie and bluebell? <laughs> so uh, nothing, right? Well, pull your, pull your sermon notes out of your uh, worship folders. And tonight we're continuing our study of Galatians. It's the third week in the book of Galatians. And, uh, and so if, if you hadn't been here, Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul. He went all over the Gentile world planting churches. And he would raise up a pastor and he would leave. And, and then uh, he would write letters back to those churches. He wrote letters to the Philippians, to the Ephesians. And, and those are all letters he wrote to these churches. Well, he wrote to the Galatians... Which is in modern day Turkey, and uh, to give you an idea where it is and it's a it's a book that will help us to be grounded in the Gospel of Jesus Christ and in the, in the gospel that Paul preached and in Romans is even more detailed than Galatians is, but what happened right after Paul left the church in Galatia is Christians started coming back in that were Jews and started saying no 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 you've got to keep the law and accept Jesus you've got to you've got to You've got to go get circumcised, and you've got to become a Jew first, and then you can be a Christian. And and so uh, Paul wrote Galatians to counter that. And So we're going to continue to look at that. And uh, and so it's really, uh, well, you know, in week one we talked about uh, what the real thing is and, and, and how Paul said, I can't believe that you're so soon leaving the gospel that I preach for another gospel a false gospel and, uh, and, and so I've preached also a couple of times on the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil that uh, you know uh, that's the picture of what Paul's talking about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is where we're doing it all ourselves on our own effort we're keeping the rules we're uh, doing things I'm praying so long every day I'm reading so many verses I'm gonna give so much I'm gonna share my all those things are good but you're doing it so God will like you. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Over here in the tree of life, I'm reading my Bible. I'm spending my time in prayer. I'm sharing my faith. I'm giving, but I'm doing it because I want to. See the difference? And that's the tree that, that he's talking about. And he said, why are you swinging back over here to try and earn God's favor? And, and that's the two brands of Christianity. One's very free and one's based on rules. And and uh, And so... And that's kind of highlighted in in that story uh, in the Garden of Eden where they choose. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, today, we're going to address human effort. We're going to address trying to to save ourselves is kind of what we're doing. So look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul starts out, O foolish Galatians. Foolish Harveyites Or Westwegoites Or Mareroans Or however you would say that He said oh, foolish Galatians Look at what he said Who's cast an evil spell on you Who's cast an evil spell Now uh, that word literally means the evil eye How many of you, your mama Gave you an evil eye at one time I mean you know I mean when I was a teenager I mean we, were, we would all sit together in church You know And I mean if we got a little bit noisy my mama's eye. So y'all thought she was sweet. She'd look over there. And that eye was like, I'm going to kill you when you get home. And, uh, you know, and if you get any worse, I might come over and do it now, you know. And so we've all gotten the evil eye, you know, from our parents. But, you know, some of us, we went to a church where they gave you the evil eye, right? It's like, I can't believe they come in here dressed like that. Man, I can't believe. They just put their cigarettes down, came in here smelling. I mean, that dude, that dude's loaded. Look at that. I mean, it, I can't believe he's got tattoos. Now, look, I don't have any tattoos, but it's not because I think tattoos are bad. I don't like pain. <laughs> and I've heard it hurts. So, you know, uh, you know, so anyway, but, you know, we, we look, you know, that's that, given that evil eye, like, I can't believe them. They're not like me. So, you know, we look down on them. We And so that's the evil eye. We don't want to do that, right? He said, who's cast this evil eye on you? In other words, you're starting to look down at the, at the Gentile Christians that are coming in there because they're not as good as you and, and all that. So Paul goes on and explains. He said, for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you. It, as if you'd seen a picture of his death on the cross. So look at that with me. He said, the meaning of Christ's death was made as clear. In other words, Paul said, I preached it right. I told you exactly what salvation is. I told you that we're saved by grace it's through faith. It's not of our works. And he said, you got that as if, if, as if we took a picture and showed it to you. He, you knew that. And then he said, let me ask you a question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? And then he answers it, of course not. They didn't receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the laws. What did they get from obeying the law? Guilt and shame because they never could keep the law. I mean, you might think, well, I've kept all ten commandments. But Jesus, you know, said, hey, if you've ever been angry at somebody. Anybody ever been angry in here? Y'all just go ahead and raise your hands. I don't want you to lie in church. Okay? Then according to what Jesus said, we've just all broken the commandment. Thou shalt not commit murder. Because he said, you've committed it in your heart. And and so, you know, if you've ever taken a pencil from work, you're a thief. You know what I mean? So, hey, we've broken that one too. I could go on. He said, so... He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? No. You received the Spirit, look at this, because you believed the message you heard about Jesus. We we believed, we trusted in it. And and so we're going to explain that message kind of again tonight. He He said, so then he continues, he said, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect or mature By your own human efforts. He said, okay, you got saved by faith. So why are you making it depend on your good works, your effort, and everything, and not on faith in God to grow stronger and to become mature? And and so, uh, you know, that's what he's saying. And so he said, you're trying, trying to do it on your own. And so when somebody gives you the evil eye, what they're basically saying is that my human efforts are better than your human efforts. My human efforts are better than your human efforts. Because I look better, smell better, talk better, whatever. You know, and, and, uh, and so I want to straighten some things out. So let's, let's kind of just stop for a minute. Uh, listen, we're in a bad condition because we're all sinners. Say all. all. See, Romans 3.23 says this, for everyone has sinned. Everyone. Say I am everyone. I am everyone. Okay, we've all sinned. Pastor Kathy was had a lady one time at a dinner she was speaking at, and the lady said, I want to become a Christian. So she said, Okay, now repeat after me, and I admit to you I'm a sinner. And the lady looked up, I'm not a sinner. <laughs> she says, yes, you are. <laughs> Probably a big one. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, we're all, everyone has sinned, and we fall short of God's glorious standard. God's glorious standard is Jesus. So we've all sinned, and guess what? We can't even be in God's presence. With sin in our lives. And so uh, sin and God, for instance, can't be in the same room. But God wants to be with you and me. And, and he created us to be in a relationship with him. And, uh, and so, but we have sin in our lives. So how do we get rid of that sin so we can have a relationship with God? Now, this is going to be different than any other religion. Because it says this in Romans 6, 23. It says the wages of sin is death. Now, that's what we earned. By our sin. We've sinned, and God says, you've got the death penalty. You're guilty. And uh, he said, but the free gift of God, somebody say free gift, free gift, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, it's a free gift. And, and see, so we deserve death, but he says, no, no, no. I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to pay for your sin. And so to get into God's presence, somebody has got to pay the price for sin, Jesus paid the price for our sin, and uh, he he paid our bill. I talk about it all the time. Where it's like somebody paid your bill at at dinner, you you know, and you're doing your hand for the check, and they come, well, somebody already paid your bill, you know, and you wish. Well, I wish I'd have brought my grandkids with me, you know. I mean, you know, the whole family. If somebody's gonna pay for it, it's like you know, when somebody says, "Hey, I'm buying tonight," and I'm already ordered a burger instead of a steak. I mean, you know, but uh, but you know, it's like. Uh, so, Jesus paid your bill. We don't need to pay that bill. And so, it's crazy for us to try and rely on our own works to earn God's favor when He's already done it. He's already done it. So, in verse 10 of Galatians, it says this But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under His curse, for the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey, circle this, all of the commandments. That are written in God's book of the law. That's a bunch of them. There's a lot. If you read the Old Testament. There's a lot of things it says you've got to do. And 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 so uh, he said. Curses everyone doesn't keep them all. We can't keep them all. So guess what? Without Christ we're under a curse. That we've brought on ourselves. You see when we try and do it ourselves. We're under that curse. It, it, because if you can't keep them all. You're guilty. It, it only takes one for you to be guilty. You, you've got to do everything and none of us can. Look what James said this. James In James 2.10, the half-brother of Jesus said, for the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as the person who's broken them all. So if I've said one little bitty lie, well, if I've taken a pencil from an office or, or gotten angry at somebody, it don't matter if they're a serial killer, I'm as guilty as they are in God's eyes. And I'll spend eternity in hell unless I turn and repent and turn my life to Christ. Now, you might think, well, that doesn't sound right. Hey, look, sin is sin when it comes to that. And so, he said, the person that keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as the person who's broken them all. So, you might think, well, you know, I'm a little bit of a gossip. But, you know, he's an adulterer or he's a a murderer or he, you know... He really is a bad guy. He's a thief. You know, and and all, and you, but guess what? They're all the same. They all have to be paid for their sin. Write this down. The law couldn't be obeyed. The law couldn't be obeyed because you can't keep them all. You can't keep them all. We're going to break one. Most of us have already broken more than one, right? So the law couldn't be obeyed, and guess what? It still can't be obeyed. Still can't be obeyed. You, if you pray a lot, if you read the Bible a lot, it doesn't matter how much you do. It'll never be enough. And, and no matter how much of the word you read and how much time you spend in prayer and how much time you spend doing good deeds, it doesn't fix the problem of sin. We have sin in our lives, and that's got to be fixed. See, I think in most Americans, we believe in a 51% heaven. That means if I do just 1% more good stuff than bad stuff, I'm okay. Most people think that. Most people think that. If I I can just do a little bit more, let me ask you this. Let me give you an example of why that doesn't work. Say you got a guy. He's a a great guy. He does good stuff, gives money away to the poor. He feeds people. He shows up and and he does all kinds of good stuff. But one day in in a fit of rage, he kills somebody you love. Murders him. And, and and so let me ask you, would the judge be a good judge or a bad judge? Well, you know, the guy sitting there going, but judge, I've I've done my whole life. I've been good. I only got this one thing I did bad. Would he be a good judge if he let him go? Say, so, well, you have done more good than you've done bad. I'm going to let you go. Would he be a good judge or a bad judge? He'd be a bad judge, wouldn't he? And, and so that's what we ask God to do when we say, hey, God, I've done more good than I have bad. You see, God is a just God, and, and so sin has got to be paid for. And, and so, um, you know, we've got, to, we've got to understand that. So one sin, got to, we'd have to keep them all if we're doing it. So Galatians 3.19, he says then, why was the law given? If the law can't make us right with God, why was the law given? That's a real good question. In other words, if the law can't cure us and it can't be obeyed, then why give it to us? I'll tell you. He wanted to create in us a frustration that we can't do without a Savior. It points to the Savior. Matter of fact, look at the next part. It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. The law was actually put in place to show us that we can't keep it. To show us we can't keep it. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child Who was promised. That's Jesus. God gave his law through the angels to Moses who was the mediator between God and people. Then in verse 24 through 25 it says, So the law was our guardian until Christ came. That we might be justified now by faith. As faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. We're no longer under the law. Because by faith we have eternal life through Christ. And so, write this down. The law leads us to Christ. The law leads us to Christ. The law was, was put to point us towards Jesus. It was put here to show us that we can't keep it. We can't be good enough on our own. We've all messed up. We're all a mess. We're all a wreck. doesn't matter what you've done, and it points us to the need for a Savior. So the law pointed to that, pointed to Jesus. Now, listen, when you you understand this, when you do this, a miracle begins to happen. You begin to change. Listen, we can't train ourselves into godliness, you know, but when we allow Jesus to live in us, we become new people. Remember 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he said any man who's in Christ is a new creature. The old is gone, the new is here. Christianity, write this down, it's not in your notes, but Christianity is not a learned behavior, it's a transformed life. Christianity is not a learned behavior. It's a transformed life. Galatians 3.24, Paul says, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through what? Faith. Made right with God through faith. We're made right with God. See, Christianity is not a religion that wants you to do right. Christianity is a religion that wants to make you right. You want to be made right, then you'll do right. That's what grace is. It's not something you learn in your head. You've got to experience it, and we want you to experience that grace here at River Church. Listen, I want, I want, I want God to change you. I want, I want God to change you. I mean, how fun would it be for you to come to church every week and say, uh, "All right, y'all been doing this. Quit, quit it." So you come back next week and say, "Look, y'all did it again. I told you to quit." I mean, that would be fun, would it? We want God to do that. I mean, there are things that God requires, you know, and, and it's because we want to. I don't lie because God's changed my want-tos. I don't, I, I don't live an immoral lifestyle because God has changed me. I don't, I don't go out and do things uh, because God has changed me. He changes us. I mean, there are things. But let me just go through some things grace is, and we'll continue. Write this down. Grace is a free gift. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. Some of y'all remember the Smith, old Smith Barney ads? We make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. Remember those ads? Hey, he did that before he went bankrupt. But anyway, uh, you know, we make money. Some of y'all went to a church that said, we, we, uh, we do religion the old-fashioned way. We earn it. You know, I mean, hey, some of y'all went to that church when you were younger, right? <laughs> Come on. So, you know, we do religion the old-fashioned way. Guess what? You can't earn it. You can't earn it. Jesus didn't come for you to try and earn anything. He came to give you something. He came to give you a gift. And really, you know what? That gift is not even the salvation that we enjoy. The, the, it resulted in salvation, but the gift is really His life. You see, sin, remember, sin's got to be paid for. So what was Jesus' gift? He died for us so we could get the gift of salvation. The gift what Jesus gave His life. We take it for granted. When we we, we talk about the cross and... And, and you know, Jesus gave his life on the cross. Everybody goes, oh, that's nice. That's nice. I mean, look, we, we talk about it like it was nothing, but it was something. It was something. He had he had to die. I mean, it's like if you stepped out in front of a car and pushed somebody out of the way, but you got killed doing it, uh, that person would remember you the rest of your life. How many of y'all uh, remember the movie um, Saving Private Ryan? Anybody watch that show? You remember what the... But the guy told him right before he died, he said, make your life count. Make, your, make it worth it. You know, and, and so you'd remember that if somebody did that for you, right? Well, I mean, you know, that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Look at Romans 6, 23. It says, the wages of sin, what I've earned is death, but what? The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus because he died in my place. I deserve to die. I deserved it. But he died in my place. It's like, okay, I'm standing before God. And God said, you're guilty. And Jesus steps around and said, okay, I'm dying in your place. I'm, I'm taking your penalty. And he, and he took it. And, it. and so we have salvation through Jesus. You know, look at One of the things we kind of overlook when we do this verse, we, we're focused on the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ. But it says, through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not through Buddha. It's not through Mohammed. It's not through any other religion. It's not through Scientology. It's not through Facebook. It's not through any of that. It's not through the United States government. Eternal life comes through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. He's the only way. You know, I imagine. How, how many of you have ever had, you know, maybe a child or a grandchild get hurt? You know, or something. I, I remember when my grandson was a little bitty. He fell down the steps. And my my son in law was, was at work, and so Brandy called me. She's crying, and got to go to the hospital, and, and, uh, and she couldn't hold him down for the x rays. I had to hold it. So I'm holding this little boy down, and he's just crying his eyes out and going, Grandpa. And I'm crying, and I'm holding him, and all that. And, you know, and he's looking at me like, Why are you letting them hurt me like this? You know, I mean, I believe that's the way God looked at Jesus on the cross. And I believe with everything in me God the Father wanted to get down and get Jesus off that cross. But you know why He didn't? He saw you and you and you and you. He saw our faces. And He sat back down and let Jesus pay that price for us. He let Jesus pay that price for us. I mean, you could switch places with your child, you would. God felt the same way. I think when we understand when we understand it, I think it'll change us on the inside. I, I think it'll, it'll change. It'll make you realize what, what Private, the guy in Private Ryan said, make your life count. I mean, you realize the sacrifice that was given so I could enjoy this freedom Make me want to do good for God. Makes me want to honor God. Makes me want to do what he wants me to do. Makes me want to honor him with my actions. See, we were supposed to die, but God let Jesus die for us. Second thing about grace is received by faith. You can't earn it. You receive it by faith. And and look, faith isn't just a belief, like a a head belief. Faith is trusting. When you sat in those chairs tonight, you had faith that it was going to hold you up. You trusted it. So that's that's what, what we're talking about. Grace is received by faith. See, you say, well, I believe in God, but the devil, the Bible says the devil believes in God. The devil believes in God, but he trembles. He's, he's definitely not saved. And, and so just a couple of scriptures, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believe. That means you trusted in him. You trusted him for your salvation. Then you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So we can't boast about it. If you could be good enough, I know some of y'all. If you could be good enough to earn your way to heaven. You'd be like, "Yep, I got it." And you don't, you know, and uh, you know, and and so you know, you know, we would, right? All of us would, but we can't. Romans four uh, sixteen says some people receive God's promise. So so not some. So people receive God's promise by having faith. This happens. So the promise can be a free gift, so the promise can be a free see it's a gift. the gift of eternal life is free for us we've just got to accept it now listen, something happens when you place your faith when you place your trust in Jesus, not intellectually knowing about Jesus, you put your trust in Jesus and it will begin to change you and, and you know I hear people say well i don't want to I don't want to be a Christian you know that's like saying, look I don't want to go to to Washington D.C. and going all the sightseeing, and you ain't never been there. I don't like Washington D.C. You've never been there. You don't know if you like it or not. It'd be like somebody said, "Well, I don't like blue bell ice cream. You ever tasted it? No. I mean, my mother used to do that with me with beets. I don't like beets. If you taste them, no. But they look terrible. You know what I mean? You know, you know. Hey, look, people don't know. You've got to experience it. You've got to experience it. When you trust, it's like stepping across the line. When you put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, when you put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, something happens, and it changes you. It changes you. So you receive it by faith. Grace, number three, is available to everyone. It's not just for a few. It's it's for everybody. And we'll we'll never be people in this church that look down on other people. We're here for everybody. We're here for everyone, no matter who. If you've got a tattoo, if you don't have a tattoo, we'll let you in. If you've got long hair, short hair. We've got barbers if you need a haircut. I mean, whatever it is. You, we, if, you're, if you're a little bit overweight, a little bit underweight. I mean, if you like to eat, this is the place. But, I mean, you know, uh, you know we, we're here for everybody. And, uh, and, and so, you know, uh, look, we, we want this church as a welcoming church. And we're a church. The church is for everybody. Jesus is for everybody. In John 8, uh, I love the woman that was caught in adultery. They brought her to Jesus. You remember he wrote their names in the sand of all the guys and their sins. And they all left. And he said, "Uh, does no one accuse you? And she says, no, no one does. He said, then neither do I condemn you. But here's what he said. He said, now go and sin no more. You see, grace is available to everyone. It was available to this lady. And, uh, and, And so... Uh, you know, he just said, go and, and sin no more. But he uh, he accepted her. He accepted her. I, I read a story about a, a man who, who was gay. He asked a pastor if he was welcome at his church. And the pastor said, sure, you're welcome at our church. He said, good, because I was born this way. The pastor said, I was born that way, too. And the guy said, what? He said, yeah, I was born a liar. I was born a cheat. I, I was born angry. I was born that way. The guy said, well, I ain't never heard anybody say it like that. He said, but God didn't leave me there. He won't leave you there either. You know, it's the power of the gospel to change people. It's the power of the gospel to change people. I love this scripture, John, uh, Romans ten thirteen. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone. Say everyone. everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, the gospel's for everybody. We don't have to clean up to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and he'll do the cleaning. Number four, grace comes only through Jesus Christ. Write that down. A lot of people in our culture today think, oh, you can get to heaven all kinds of different ways. I think even the Pope has changed his mind on some stuff. I mean, there's only one way, guys. There's only one way. Jesus is the only one that took care of your sin problem. We were riding a plane with a Palestinian. Uh, he was going flying into Jordan. And, uh, and Kathy asked him, so what do you do about sin? He said, what do you mean? She said, well, for us. Jesus paid the price for our sins so we can be forgiven. He hung his head and said, man, I've got to work and hope I get enough good deeds done to overcome it. He's got that 51% deal, see. And, uh, and, and so, listen, Jesus is the only one who took care of your sin problem. He died in our place. Look, John 1, 17, for the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Romans 5.15 God's free gift is not like Adam's sin. Many people died because of the sin of that one man. But the grace of God was much greater and many people received God's gift of life by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ. That's good stuff. Galatians 2.21 I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless for if keeping the law could make us right with God there would have been no need for Christ to die. Listen. Listen. When you're trying to be good enough, Jesus wouldn't have needed to die for that kind of religion. We're saved by grace. And we live by grace. Jesus died to pay the price for our sin. Look what he said, and this isn't in your notes, John 14, 6. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but through me. See, nobody can come to the Father except through Jesus. And then in Acts 4.12, he said, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And that's Jesus. That's why you talk about God all day long, you start mentioning Jesus, and people get a little bit quirky, get a little nervous. They start talking about, oh, you shouldn't be talking about religion in public, you know, and stuff like that. Well, they're all right when you're talking about religion. They just don't want you to talk about Jesus because they know they don't measure up. And, they, and, and see, most people don't have an intellectual problem with Christ. It's a submission problem. We don't want to do what he says. Number five, grace is extended throughout eternity. Jesus paid the price for your sins, what you committed when you were little bitty, what you commit in today, and what you're going to commit in the future. They're, they're paid for when you receive him. John three sixteen. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in Him or trusts in Him, that don't mean you're perfect, will not perish, but will have eternal life. So we can live. Does that mean we can live any way we want to? No, it does not. It does not. Grace just changes our motivations. It doesn't change what we do. It means we do the things that God wants us to do because I love Him. I read my Bible because I can't get enough of it. I read books and articles. I was telling Pastor Kathy that I read an article about a lady who was sick. She's a pastor's wife, and uh, I think they were like in Wichita, Kansas, or something like that. And and uh, and she was she. They finally diagnosed her with a with heart failure. She's in congestive heart failure. She's like fifty one years old. And uh, and and so the doctor even said if you had left her that day and not brought her to the ER, you'd have come back to the hotel. They were on vacation and found her dead. And uh, and so so they said, look, there's no solution. You can't take the medicine to strengthen your heart because of your blood pressure. And so their church got to praying. And, uh, and they were watching the 700 Club. This one why it was on their website. And, uh, and, the, and some, somebody on the 700 Club was praying. And she said, there's a lady. Your heart's enlarged. Your valves aren't working right. And I think your name is Norma, and you're being, you're being healed right now. And this lady's heart was healed. When she went to the uh, pulmonologist, it was putting out the amount of blood that a healthy heart does. The pulmonologist, the doctor doctor said, hey, look, I only treat people with bad hearts, and yours isn't bad, so get gone. You know, that's what happens. I don't know how I got off on that. But grace is extended through eternity. Listen, we can't live the way we want to live. Grace changes our motivations. I read stuff like that because I just can't get enough of that. That builds my faith. So don't you think that when I pray for you to get well, I'm remembering that story right there. I'm, I'm remembering people that have been, that have been healed. And, and we share that. I share that with you so you build your faith strong. You see, grace just changes my motivation. I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not spending time in prayer. I don't give money away. I don't serve God because I have to. I do all that because I want to. I'm so thankful that he's forgiven me. I'm so thankful that I get to serve him. I don't, you know, people will say, well, I got called into the ministry. I surrendered. God had to chase me for a while. I love what I'm doing. I was made for this. I dreamed about this when I was younger. I, this is fun. This is what I love to do. So what's the result of this? Look at Titus two eleven through 12. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Now look, the grace of God, grace says, hey, look, the gospel's for everybody. It do not matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's it's available. And if you want to receive Christ, you can receive Christ tonight, whether you're in this room or you're watching on social media. Jesus is available to everybody. And you know what comes with that? Power comes with that. Look at this, this verse 12. It, that's talking about grace, teaches us. So grace teaches us. So how do we learn to do these things? Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. So how do I, how do I learn to say no to all these worldly passions that are out there and folks they are out there? How, does, how do I learn to say no to all this ungodliness that's going on? Grace teaches me to do it. Not rules. Grace, living in the tree of life. Grace teaches me to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Grace teaches me to live a self-controlled life. Grace teaches me to live upright, which means a righteous life, a life where I'm honoring God. Grace teaches me to live a godly life in this present age. The goodness of God draws men into repentance. That's what grace does. It changes my behavior. Y'all following me? that's the result of grace the result of grace is not sitting in one of these seats and going oh that was good that was a good message I'm so glad we have grace no grace changes us it's called, we call it repentance is a religious word but it changes you from doing what you were doing to doing what God wants you to do but this time you're doing it because I'm so thankful for what he's already done I love being in the presence of God I love feeling his presence in my life I don't want to do that stuff. That's what comes. So write this. I know some of y'all are looking. There's still a blank to go. Write this down. When you what, grace is what you ought to. When what you ought to do becomes what you want to do. It's when what you ought to do. Read your Bible. Be be nice to people. Tie out. Give. Pray. Witness. Feed the poor. All those. When what you ought to do becomes. What you can't wait to do. What you want to do. That's what grace is. That's what grace is. Grace just isn't, you know, Pastor Kathy calls it greasy grace. You know, it's not just, oh, well. I can just pray a prayer and I can do anything I want. See, grace moves us from that to, to the tree of life. Doing what God wants us to do because we want to do it. We want to do it. I don't want to go out drinking. You know, somebody said one time, man, I don't want to be a Christian. Because you can't do anything as a Christian. The guy said, I can do anything I want to. He said, no, man. You can't go out drinking with us. You can't go out partying with us. You can't go out carousing with us. He said, sure I can. I just don't want to. See, grace changes your want to's. Grace changes your want to's. So bow your heads. Father, we thank you for your grace, Lord. We thank you for that grace. God, we thank you for the opportunity to know you personally.